So, this is Daniel Smith, your host, and this is episode two of the Heart of Worship podcast. In this episode, we are going to talk about worship, which makes a lot of sense since this is called the Heart of Worship. And, uh, <coughs> I'm actually driving this morning, and um, I'm decided to try this out. I have no idea what this is going to be like, if this is going to turn out okay, if there's going to be too much background noise. I don't know, but I think part of what I've really felt led to do in the beauty of this podcast is to do things like this, which at times it's going on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And at times that's going to look like me driving and doing it on voice memo and not doing it on my you know, you know, recording gear at home. And uh, this has kind of been, you know, welling up inside of me over the last couple days. And um, I just really felt the Holy Spirit this morning. I was listening to the mixes of uh, the new Unseen Anthem album that we are working on. Uh, and there's a song on there um, that was kind of prophetically birthed during that night and it's called fourth man in the fire and uh it's so awesome because you can actually hear in there i mean i feel like you can hear it but you can hear like the excitement build up with me and the guys in the unseen anthem because basically with everything that is going on in the earth right now you know coronavirus presidential election, you know, like anger between brothers, you know, fighting, arguing, you know, it's just, it's, it's really intense in the day that we live in and I'm worshiping and, you know, we opened up a prayer mic and I began encouraging people to come up and pray and I kind of kick it off and I start praying and I said, I want to pray a dangerous prayer, Lord. I thank you for the wilderness, you know, because it's in the wilderness that you get the manna provided, that you get the fire by night and the cloud by day. You know, a lot of people don't want to go into the wilderness, but there are aspects of Yahweh that you do not experience until you're willing to go into the wilderness and until you find yourself there in the wilderness. And... With that being said, I began thinking about the presidential election and, you know, I started thinking about different leadership that can be over, you know, us in the earth. And I just began thanking God, thanking God for um, for leadership and even leadership that I don't fully agree with, even leadership that... Um, may seem rough or may seem like, oh, God, we don't want this person in leadership. I started thinking about people like Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh and people like this, because without Nebuchadnezzar, you don't get the fourth man standing in the fire. That was a byproduct of an oppression that had come on God's people. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I can't go into the fullness of this, but what's really awesome, and I've heard this talk before, now, um, and I can't fully remember who it was, but I've heard it taught that <clears throat> that wasn't even their birth given names. 
But this is the cool thing. God gave them a name that spoke about their identity. But Nebuchadnezzar gave them a name that associated with their job, with what they, you know, did as far as a job. And I think that's so wild because in the world, that's kind of the way that it is. You know, um, God gives us a name that identifies us by him and by who we are in him. And then, um, you know, the world tries to give us an identity that is based upon what we do and try to find our identity in, you know, our purpose and what we do. And that is not, you know, God's heart for us. And, you know, being a worship leader, that is something that, you know, we all we all have to walk through, and some of us have to learn the hard way. Is not to identify our gifting, but in our identity as beloved. But anyways, you know, without Nebuchadnezzar, you do not get the fourth man standing in the fire. Is what Yahweh was kind of showing me through that. He was showing me that, you know, it's in great times of oppression that the miracles of God rise up. And you know, without corrupt kings, you don't get, you know, shutting the mouth of the lions. You know, if it wasn't for corrupt leaders going to the king and saying, you know, King, I believe it was Darius, King Darius, like, you know, everybody should not be able to pray. Like, these corrupt people wanted, you know, Daniel dead and they went to Darius so that he would be killed and they come and made you know encourage the king to create this law and kind of trap the king the king didn't want to hurt Daniel but then he is upheld by this law that he's created that no one could pray to anyone but him uh, for the time allotted but here's the thing about those corrupt leaders. You don't get the miracle of angels coming down and shutting the mouths of the lions. You know? And I do realize, please understand, like, the, you don't get these miracles without God, number one. You got, number two, you don't get these miracles without a man of God being willing to stand up against the corruption. But there has to be corruption there for these things to happen. And here's the thing. We live in a broken earth. We live in a broken place where there are things that happen, where there are going to be things that happen. You know, it has been since since Eden, since the fall of man, there has been brokenness in the earth. And here's the thing. I see an abundance of the church rising up and being infuriated and lashing out and saying things that are not the heart of God in a lot of ways. Instead of taking a seat back and saying, I am one of these that will be thrown into the fire. I am one of these that will be thrown into the lion's den. I am one of these that will go up against a Red Sea. You know, and that's the last last thing that y'all you know, would show me. Without corruption, without slavery, you don't get a Red Sea splitting in front of you. Sometimes you have to walk through the hell of a situation to be able to see the incredible miracles of Yahweh in front of you. And so I say all that to say, and I really hope this works out. I'm going to listen to the beginning of this. I just had to get gas. And I really um, hope that, 
you know, this works out so that, um, you know, it doesn't, it's not too loud and the beeping and all the different things that happen with, you know, driving. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I say all this to say that in this moment, I wanted to encourage people that he's still that God. That is still who he is. He is still on the throne. He is still in that position. He's still in a place. And coronavirus didn't throw him off his throne. And um, the presidential election of 2020 didn't throw him off his throne. And the the intense, you know, aggression the brother between brother has not thrown him off his throne. It, it never has. You have Cain killing Abel. But they didn't throw God off his throne. He had a plan the whole time. He saw it. And, you know, he's seen 2020 from the beginning. He has seen 2020. And that's where this song just was birthed out of it. He's still the God, that fourth man in the fire. He's still the God that shut in the mouths of the lions. He's still the God that's splitting that sea that is in front of you. Let that sink in. So here's the thing. Like, there's all kinds of different fires that we have to walk through in our lives. There's all kinds of different fires that will come against us that will <clears throat> try to discourage us, that will try to take our lives even. You know, um, for instance, you know, this year with me, you know, I went through a, a pretty intense car accident where I was hit by a police officer that had taken a call and didn't turn on his lights or siren. And he come through an intersection and didn't see me, and he struck me and hit me and totaled my car and ended up breaking both bones in my right arm and shattering my right elbow, which is my strumming arm for playing guitar. And I stepped into some fire. I stepped into this, you know, intense situation in life that, you know, could have taken my life. But Jesus was there. He's the fourth man in the fire. You know what I mean? He's right there. You know, and that's the thing that the... And let me say this. You know, there's all kinds of lions that are going, you're going to be thrown into pits of. You're going to have situations where you're thrown in amongst situations with people that are backbiters, that want to accuse you even though you're praying. But he will always send angels to shut the mouths of those lions. If you will just keep praying... That's the thing so many times we want to quit praying and then accuse back or engage with our brothers or create that, you know, turmoil. But Jesus, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall inherit. You know what I mean? That's 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 what Jesus is calling us into in a situation where the lions, the accusers, the backbiters, those that are coming to devour us, to kill us. Jesus is looking for those that will keep praying, that will, I love this word, that will tarry. They'll tarry on. They're not going to be dismayed or discouraged. But even if they are, you wouldn't even know it because they continue just praying. And that's what Jesus is looking for. There's going to be all kinds of lions and there's going to be all kinds of seas that get positioned in front of you. There's going to be so many times in life that, here's the thing, we walk through things that enslave us. 
You know, there's different sins that entangle. It talks about this in the Word of God. But there's so many different things that will come and enslave us. And we may have even been enslaved for years. And this could have even been generational slavery that's went on for generations. That your your mother and father and your mother's father and father, mother and father, and all, every as long as you can remember, have struggled in this area. But this is what Jesus will do. He will send a servant into your life. A lot of times, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the main helper, he'll send the Holy Spirit into your life to set you free. But here's the thing a lot of people don't think about is that even after you're free and you're leaving out of that place, you're leaving out of Egypt, those Egyptians will come after you. And a lot of times you will find yourself faced up against a red sea, you know. Over the last couple days, I'm not going to go into great detail, but I found myself in front of this Red Sea, this massive thing that is separating me from my promised land. You know, I, there's a there's a promised land on the other side of this thing that that Yeshua is taking me to, but I've got this Red Sea, and you know, I have two options when I come up to this Red Sea and I'm standing there. I can, one, say, you've taken me out of Egypt, Jesus, to die. You freed me from pornography and food addiction and abuse and all these things just to come here and lay here and die. Why did you do that? Why have you done this? You should have left me back there in Egypt where at least I was had some comfort of my sin. Or I can lift my hands and stay, say, you're still the God. That shuts the mouths of the lines. You're still the God that is the fourth man in the fire. And you're still the God that is going to split that sea that is in front of me. Let me tell you, friends. Let me tell you, family. He will always split that sea that is in front of you. He will always split it. It don't matter how big it is. It don't matter how scary it is. I'm telling you, he will split that sea that is in front of you. And you will stand on the other side and you'll watch that sea engulf horse and rider. And you will be able to celebrate and say, the enemies I've seen today, I will never see them again. Man, be encouraged by that. The enemies that you have seen today, you will never see again. Holy Ghost, this morning I'm riding and I'm listening to mixes of this live record we're about to release. And this song comes on and I'm listening to it. And I couldn't help but just start weeping. Because he is faithful. He is right here in the midst of the situation and the circumstance and the, the turmoil and the pain and every bit of it. He's right here and he's in the fire, shutting the mouth of the lions and splitting seas. He's still in that business. And so, you know, I say all that to kind of, you know, to kind of nothing. I want to encourage you today. Whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be <coughs> standing up against, your back may be against the wall, but he'll take the wall down. I'm telling you, he is there with you right now. All you, listen, just lift your hands. You know, even now, in the midst of this podcast, you know, I, I just feel the Holy Spirit 
if you're in the middle of a situation where you just do not know what to do anymore, you have been oppressed, depressed, upset, frustrated, angry, whatever it may be, just close your eyes in this very moment, whatever you may do, just take one moment and lift your hands and tell him, say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you to be in the fire with me. I trust you to shut the mouths of the lions. And I trust you to split that seed that's seen in front of me. I trust you. Jason Upton said the greatest act of worship that we can ever give to the Lord is, you know, it's not our pretty songs and our, you know, different things like that, our grand gestures, but it's actually just trusting Him. And that <coughs> kind of goes into what I, I want to talk to you guys about today. And that is the greatest act of worship in trusting Jesus and what that looks like. You know, I'm talking with a friend yesterday, Jessica Sowards, and we were talking about how basically just talking about walking through some of these situations I'm talking about, walking through the fire, walking through the the roar of the lions and you know standing in front of a sea that's in front of you and just the stuff that we have to walk through in this life can be really intense sometimes and there are a lot of emotions that are tied along with you know these different you know things that we walk through in life um, some of those things being depression anxiety fear you know, there's a lot of things that we have to, there are a lot of things that we are going to work against in our lives, you know, and to some extent need to embrace knowing that those things are just part of us, uh, especially if you're creative, you know, I've discovered this, you know, if you're a songwriter, a painter, a worshiper of any kind, you know, if you have any kind of creativity inside of you, you're going to, in some cases, deal with high levels of emotion because you feel in a great measure, and that's a good thing, but in dealing with these emotions, the thing is, is like, when we came to a place in our conversation yesterday where we were like, what do you do? You know, what do you do in the midst of that? What do you do when you come, you know, and you're standing in the middle of a blazing fire? You know, this this is another thing, you know, and I want you to know that I don't I don't want to say these things about, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel and Moses and the Israelite children. I don't want to say these things lightly. Please understand what I'm saying. Let's let's give some gravity to the situation, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are living in a land that has been seized from them. Like, imagine the worst, like, I hear so many Christians talk about this, but imagine the most corrupt leader of all time coming into place. Let's, let's go this route. Imagine Hitler. You know, you had Hitler come into Germany and start taking over and killing Jews gruesomely murdering Jews. I went to the the Holocaust Memorial Museum Museum in Jerusalem, in Israel, and 
it was just heart-wrenching to see. Imagine that happening. Imagine that and being told, okay, you're going to be put into the gas chamber and killed if you don't kneel down and worship this idol. That is the scene set for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names have been changed. Their identities have been seized from them. Their lands have been taken. And now they're being told, you must worship Nebuchadnezzar, this statue. And they said, no. They said, even if our God does not save us from the fire, we'll still go into it for him. We will not bow down for you. That is the scene set. Let's talk about Daniel a little bit. And I haven't researched this, but I've heard this from reliable resources from friends. But did you realize that, that Daniel was, he was castrated? Men of God, this king, this corrupt man that had come in, he castrated him. And Daniel, in humility, he operated in such a great level of humility, he served the king that castrated him. It's easy to say, I will be a Daniel in this in this time. I'll be a Daniel. I'll be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'll be a Moses. You ready for that? Are you ready to be castrated and then serve the king that castrated you? Or are you going to get on Facebook and blast out everybody that you can think of because they're injustice? There's so much injustice. Of course there's injustice. There's been injustice since the beginning of time. And that doesn't make injustice less terrible. It's awful. It, it hurts the heart of Yahweh. I believe that. But here's my thing. What are you going to do about it is my question. Are you just going to rant on Facebook? Because that does very little. Or are you going to say yes to truly being a man of God? Which could look like being castrated by a king and serving him anyway. This is wild, man. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm talking to myself and I don't know that I'd be willing to do that. That is intense. But he serves him anyway. And this moves the heart of the king into a place that, you know, King Darius, even though he was, you know, manipulated to create this law so that no one could pray to anyone but him for the allotted amount of time, he, he was, it burdened his heart to throw Daniel in the lion's den, but he did it. Praise God he did it. Because then the angels came and he shut the mouth of the lions. Daniel kept praying. When they told him he couldn't pray anymore, he kept praying. When he's thrown into the lion's den, he kept praying. And then Darius, the next morning, as soon as possible, come and ask Daniel. He said, has your Lord saved you? And he said, my Lord has. And then, of course, the men who had accused Daniel were thrown into the lines and were torn to shreds. But it takes a man of God being willing to be castrated, serve a king, be 
keep praying when told not to be thrown into a lion's den and trust Yahweh through the whole process. That is a process, my friends. That is a process. You know, let's talk about Moses. You know, Moses lied to, you know, was told that, you know, he was a son of Pharaoh and then, you know, lied to and then, you know, ends up figuring out that the slaves that have been abused in such a great measure are actually his kin, his blood. He sees an Egyptian soldier abusing, beating his kin, and he kills this Egyptian soldier, flees, is in the wilderness, and again, in the wilderness, and this is the place where Moses has an encounter with Yahweh, and he says, Moses, I need you to go. A little side note, you know, and I hope this is okay, but uh, Yahweh gave me a song one time in the middle of a worship service, and it was kind of based on this encounter with Moses. You know, Moses is in the wilderness, and he sees a burning bush that is not being consumed. I mean, if you can imagine seeing a bush that is on fire, but is not burning up. He sees this. He's drawn to it, and Yahweh speaks to him, tells him to take off his shoes. He's standing on holy ground, which is why I take my shoes off when I worship Yahweh, because I believe that if I'm worshiping him, he's there, and it's holy. And God speaks to him. Yahweh speaks to him, and he says, Moses, I want you to go back to this place that you have had so much hurt, so much pain, have dealt with so much of this mess, and I want you to go as a messenger and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And you know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Moses and the turmoil that he must have felt in that position, even being asked by Yahweh, the thunderous voice of God himself, Speaking to Moses through a burning bush. And Moses, he says, Yahweh, I stutter. This intrigues me. That in this place, he's like, <laughs> I can feel this because I felt it before in myself. I'm like, Yahweh, there's so many other people that can better represent you here than me. There's so many other people. I'm sure Moses thought, man, you couldn't call some great king or warrior to go into Egypt and slaughter Pharaoh and set your people free. You know, God had other intentions. Moses was thinking about stuttering. You know what Yahweh was thinking about? I believe this with my whole heart. I believe Yahweh was thinking about a man of God who would stand in front of a sea and lift his staff. A friend. Yahweh wasn't looking for a warrior. He was looking for a friend. This is God, y'all. Listen to what I'm saying today. Yahweh is not looking for a warrior. He's looking for a friend. I believe this with my whole heart. There's a lot of people out there telling you to take up your sword and go to fight with an enemy that's already been beaten. Yahweh's looking for a friend that is bold enough to, even though they stutter, go before a Pharaoh and say, it's time to let the people go. You know, in this, (laughs) 
you know, he said, I stutter, Lord. He said, I need an errand. You know, but I can just hear the Lord, you know, Moses saying, okay, I'll, I will do this, but who do I say has sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you. And this exchange right there, what Yahweh said, you know, I believe when Yahweh said that to Moses, that it, it identified Yahweh, that he is whoever Moses needs him to be whenever he needs him to be. It. He is all things to Moses. Friend, Lord, mighty warrior, if he needs him to be it. He's the warrior. But I believe also when Yahweh told him, tell him, I am sent you, it also identified Moses. That he is who Yahweh says he is. And through that exchange, I wrote a song called, I am who you say I am. Which has been a great encouragement to me through my life and is on Psalms from the Secret Place. And I believe it's encouraged a lot of other people throughout the years. But in saying that, then Moses goes back. He stands before this Pharaoh that had lied to him for so long and done all these things. Had abused his kin, abused his loved ones. He stood to him, with him, nose to nose, and said, you let him go. And you know what happened? I mean, there was, there's turmoil. There was, you know, he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then the plagues came, and, you know, there, there was a lot of intensity. But this was the story. And then, you know, finally, you know, he says, fine, then go. Please get out of here. I'm tired of this mess. He takes him and then changes his mind and comes with horse and chariot to slaughter him. And they find themselves up against a Red Sea. And, you know, they begin saying, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? He's coming to kill us. We could have stayed back in Egypt and been just fine. But now you have us here and we're facing this Red Sea. Did you just bring us out here to die? And Moses, being a friend of God, lifts his staff. One, a fire tornado comes down from heaven, which is another level, but then he splits a sea. God split a sea. Today, you can find, there are, you know, you can Google this and find, there are pictures of chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea. I mean, it's a powerful thing that Yahweh did. But you don't get those powerful things without having a friend of God, for one. But a friend of God who's not afraid to face his own demons and go back and deal with all these things, you know. But I say all that to say this. I really, truly believe that what do we do with our frustration? What do we do with our depression? What do we do with our anxiety? The desire to even at times, you know, kill ourselves or to, you know, stress out about things or become angry or all these things that just build up inside of us as human beings. What do we do with that? You take it and quit trying to hide it from Yahweh and you take it to him and say, this is yours and you pay for it. 
I love, um, Graham Cook had a vision one time and, uh, Jesus come to Graham and he told him, he said, I, I want back what I want back what you stole from me. And Graham said, Jesus, I would never steal anything from you. And Jesus just kept telling him, I want back what you have stolen from me. And finally Graham said, well, what have I stolen? He said, stress, anxiety, fear, worry, depression. I paid for them when I died upon the cross of Calvary. I want them back. You know, that really changed my mind and really opened up my eyes to see, you know, all these things that I for years tried to hide. And not talk about because, you know, I've got to be a perfect little Christian, you know what I mean? I've got to uphold the standard to be the mighty worship leading man of God. And the whole time, y'all, Yeshua is right there with me seeing every single bit of it. And just really longing for honesty. It says in John that he's seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. I really believe this, y'all, that Yeshua, the number one thing that Yeshua wants from us is for us to come to him with our hands full of all that mess, the worst parts of us, and lift it up to him and say, this is yours, you paid for it. I love you. It's all I have, but I give it all. And I believe, strangely enough, that all that mess is a sweet incense unto our Lord. And that he is just so undone by that kind of worship. That's the kind of worship he's longing for. He wants us to trust him. I want to share this testimony with y'all. When I was uh, 14 years old, I... You know, had begun sneaking out of my home with my friends, just kind of, I guess it was the adventurous, you know, thought of not having rules or regulations going all over town and, you know, just that freedom, that feeling of freedom, you know, it was disobedient and rebellious, but it was, I think what drove it was freedom, that feeling of freedom. I want to give a little side note. I ate the bunny trail all over the place, but I, you know, this is my podcast and I'm enjoying it. So I hope you do too. I hope it encourages you. But yesterday I got to go over to some friends home and uh, carry some furniture to them. And uh, I was sitting there with them and watching their family and their children were jumping on a couch in their, their like living room area. And they had a Christmas tree and, you know, some musical instruments in there, and the kids are jumping on this couch. And I was so intrigued by what my brother told me. He told me, he said, this is the jumping couch. We have other couches in the house that cannot be jumped on, but this is the jumping couch. And the children know that if they want to jump on a couch, that this is the one. And I was so intrigued by this because so many parents say, you know, no, no jumping on the couch. It's bad. Don't do that. And I really feel like it's the heart of Yahweh to say, this is your jumping couch. You can't jump on the other couches. This is your jumping couch. Have fun. Be careful. 
you know, that's beautiful. And, you know, with what I was just saying, sneaking out, you know, and stuff like that and longing to experience freedom, I truly believe that if we if we experiment with our children discovering freedom instead of binding with rules and regulations and, you know, harnessing men, I, I guarantee that our children can do less things that are rebellious. Anyways, it's just a side note and kind of a thought in my opinion. I could be wrong, but, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about. Anyways, at 14 years old, I was striving to discover that freedom and, you know, was out and sneaking out and stuff. And eventually I met a girl doing this and uh, she went to school with me and eventually I ended up losing my virginity to uh, this girl that I was sneaking in and out of her home. And uh, this went on for months and of me doing this. And it was funny. I used to put the pillows in my bed and arrange them just right. You know, so that if my mom or dad did come in, and I had my music, my music would play, but if my mom and dad ever come in, they'd see the pillows in the sink, of course. Yeah, there's my son. He's asleep in bed. It's very idiotic. But I would always put on music. And what's funny about the Lord is even in my life, in my worst moments of failing and falling and doing all these things, I've really loved Yahweh's even when I've fallen. And I would always put on Christian music. And I'll never forget, one night after months of this, I come back in my bedroom, and a song by Third Day was playing. And uh, it, it starts off and it says, I cannot find the words to say I'm sorry. And my heart just... Just, it's the faithfulness again of Yeshua. I mean, he's there with me all the time. Even when I was in the midst of my sin, going and fornicating with this young girl, he was there. He paid for it. But he was just waiting for my heart to be pricked. He knew it would be. And I come home and the song's playing and I wept. And the next morning I told my parents what I'd been doing. I share this with you to share this. My dad, he made a lot of mistakes in my life, um, but he was my best friend, John Smith. He passed away almost four years now, three and a half years. And I, I come to him, and of course, when I told my mother, she cried and was upset and emotional. But when I told my dad, and I told him first, he hugged me he thanked me for trusting him enough to tell him and he cried and you know this really impacted my life for how to deal with that and I really believe it's an it's an image of the heart of Yahweh that when we come to him and we say in worship Yahweh, here's our mess. He's not going to whack us dead right then and send us on to hell. I don't even think he's angry. At all, actually. I really believe that his heart is moved the way that my father's was. 
that he embraces us, that he receives it like a sweet incense into his nostrils that we were giving it to him. I love Damon Thompson says, if you're struggling with a sin, to take it by the throat into the presence of Yahweh, up the mountain, and you sacrifice that thing in the presence of Yahweh. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at, is true freedom comes in a place of, you know, trusting Jesus, worshiping Him, giving Him, like offering it to Him. It's the greatest act of worship that we can ever have. You know, I really hope that this has encouraged you. Um, and again, I don't even know what this is going to sound like. I hope the audio quality is okay. And I hope that the sound of the cars passing by and the beeping at the gas station and the windshield wipers has not, you know, distracted you too much from the heart of what I'm saying, which is you can trust him. He is right there with you right now. And he wants every bit of it. When you weep, he weeps. He catches your tears. He is there with you. He is with you always. I want to pray for you. And uh, here in just a moment, I'm going to be pulling up to Dan Terry's home to uh, to do some songwriting. But uh, I'm going to pray, Lord Jesus, Yeshua, I thank you for every individual that is going to listen to this. I really, truly pray that they are encouraged, Lord. That first, you know, first off, that they are encouraged, Lord, that in the day that we are leaving in, that you are still seated on the throne. You're still the fourth man in the fire, that you're shutting the mouth of the lions, and that you are going to split that sea that is in front of us. No matter how many seas we may come to, Lord, you're still going to split it. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to be friends of yours and not warriors. Lord, I want to be a friend of yours and not a warrior. You have won every battle. The train of your robe fills the temple. You have won every battle. Every enemy is defeated. You won on the cross. I celebrate that victory. Lord, I pray for myself and for my friends that we will bring you our pain, our anxieties, our depression, our fears. And we will give it to you as an act of worship. You paid for it all. You deserve it. You are worthy. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive the reward of his suffering. I truly believe, Jesus, that that looks like me giving you all of me. My dreams, my ambitions, my joys, my fears, my depressions, my anxieties. You're worthy of it all. I'll give it to you. Lord, I pray that those who listen to this would be encouraged to do the same. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, friends, for joining me for this second episode in the Heart of Worship podcast. I really hope this encourages you. Feel free to drop me a message uh, on you know Facebook or Instagram or email. My email address is Daniel 
D-A-N-I-E-L at G-A-R-N dot TV. Send me over a message if you would like to. And um, yeah, I love you guys. I'll talk to you all next time.